Welcome, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. We are back, and we are back in force. So this here show is all about the Disney films, whether they be TV films, uh, theatrical films, uh, park films, perhaps, you know, bathroom soap scum film. We might get there. You don't know. All right. But that's what we talk about. We talk about the Disney films. Uh, I am Ryan Kilpatrick, owner of DisneyFilmProject.com, uh, where we discuss the shorts, the films, the features, and all the love of the Walt Disney Company and their films. Uh, with me on this show, two of the finest film buffs ever known to man, uh, beginning with Mr. Todd Perlmutter, Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com, as well as a wonderful blogger at TouringPlans.com. How are you this evening, Mr. Todd Perlmutter? I'm doing awesome, Ryan. I'm sitting here, Jasper's in my lap, having a good time. You are chill. I you am. You are totally chill. I like it. Uh, also joining us, Miss Brianna Alessio, the blogger at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com. Uh, fine film lover herself. How are you this evening, Miss Brie? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm just sitting back and I'm going to talk with my favorite folks about a, a, a fantastic movie. So, I mean, you can't beat that, right? Absolutely. Um, speaking of my favorite folks, one of those would be Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, the producer of this fine program, editor supreme, uh, internet superstar, um, purveyor of wisdom. How are you this evening, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter? Doing good. As always, brevity and the soul of wit can be found both in Miss Cheryl Perlmutter. So, this evening, we are talking about High School Musical 3. That's right, it wasn't enough to do High School Musical 1. No, no. It wasn't enough to do High School Musical 2. Not at all. High School Musical 3. Just ponder that over in your head a little bit, um, how unlikely it was that this would not only be a third film in the trilogy of High School Musical, which, you know, at some point we should discuss how this trilogy ranks in the ranks of trilogies all time. You know, it's not Star Wars, but, you know, is it, you know, Godfather? I don't know. You decide. Um, but High School Musical 3 was released as a feature film, not a Disney Channel original movie. Uh, pretty impressive for something to make the leap from Disney Channel to uh, the big screen. Uh, released in October of 2008 as a feature film, and it actually made close to $300 million worldwide, which is insane. Uh, the budget for the film was $13.3 million, which for a TV movie is a huge budget, but for a feature, not really that big. Um, and it's interesting that you know the movie was such a moneymaker. So we kind of talked briefly in the High School Musical 1 show all those many moons ago, uh, about why this made the leap from Disney Channel to uh, a feature. Does anyone uh, anyone have some insight into that? No, please, please. Okay. So, <laughs> so it has everything to do with what I just told you. The $13.3 million budget and the $300 million return. Kind of anticlimactic, wasn't it? It was. I'm kind yeah. of disappointed. Yeah, so, no, the, the thought process, um, at least from, you know, everything you read, is that High School Musical was such a success on Disney Channel. Um, the second film, um, we mentioned this in the, in the High School Musical 2 show, you know, the second film was, you know, reached 17.2 million people in its premiere. That's huge uh, for basic cable. So if you translate that out into 
ticket sales, let's say. Um, I don't know what the average movie ticket price is. I think it's like eight fifty these days. But you know, just for the sake of, of, of my poor math skills, let's say ten bucks. If seventeen million people bought a ticket, you're talking oodles and oodles and oodles of money. Knowing that not everyone is going to buy a ticket, um, you know, the, the the possibilities were endless, right? For you know, to be in the you know hundred and some odd million range uh, on a cheap budget. And the thought that Disney could take characters they developed on the small screen and take them to the big screen and make money off of them that way, in addition to what they're doing on Disney Channel, uh, held a lot of appeal for the company. And it was so successful that they did it again with Hannah Montana, uh, the movie. They had already done, at this point, uh, Hannah Montana, the concert film, and they did the Jonas Brothers concert film. But you know, they took the Hannah Montana uh, show from disney channel and put it on the big screen didn't perform quite as well as high school musical 3 but uh, perhaps we'll review that one at, at some point in the future because that's an interesting and, one and don't forget folks myra cyrus is at the end of the second movie yes she was she made a little cameo at the end that's right so you know what's interesting is the the movie almost but not quite uh didn't get released because it um they were they were very close to not finishing the script before the writer strike came about. Yeah, and in fact, they were racing to get this movie done because they knew the writer strike was coming. Yes, right. Because so the for people who don't remember or missed it, I don't see how um, the the writer strike was uh, a Hollywood thing. It went back on in uh, late two thousand seven, early two thousand, and it ended in middle of 2008, right? Sometime it was right. like yeah, six, eight months long. Yeah, it was about that long. And, and what happened was is that basically you it doesn't stop movie production per se, but what happens is it becomes this mad scrambling dash when there's a writer's strike for the writers who are still willing to write to, con- to write as much as possible before they, before they go on strike. And this movie was in that batch of movies that was created during that time period is they were, um, they were scrambling. They got the script done because the script was done. They're allowed to use the script. It doesn't violate any issues with the writing because it's already been turned in. Right. Yeah, and, and in fact, there's lots of articles. If you go – if you uh, use your, your Google skills, folks, you can find articles about um, you know, the negotiations but because that the other part of the thing that held this up was um, they were racing time to get the script done. They were also negotiating with the actors – uh, for an increased salary, right? Because these guys had all been signed to a contract for TV. Uh, the contracts for features are quite a bit different, and there was a lot of movie. There was a lot of rumors going around, and, and and to the credit of the actors and the credit of Disney, uh, they didn't negotiate in the press, uh, which I think they could. You know, you you see people negotiating over film roles in the press a lot. You know, it's a common practice these days. Uh, but yep. they didn't do that in this in this instance, and I think that's to the credit of, of everyone involved. Um, but you know, the, where there's smoke, there's fire. You, we know that there was a lot of discussion back and forth as far as who was going to get paid what to do this movie, and obviously everybody wanted a bit of a increased take, um, right? But considering same, it's a feature, right? But at the same time, it's it's hard to tell. Depending, some some sources say that Zac Efron was offered three million for the role, and other sources say five million. So it's probably somewhere between those two numbers, right? Yeah, the majority of the budget for the movie obviously went to the stars. Um, although I have to say, just uh, and we'll we'll dive into the film here. the The move to features, I think, added a dimension of visual quality and depth 
and color to this film that was not even though the first two films are fine and, and you know they look really nice um seeing this film uh digitally projected when i saw it the first time and then now on blu-ray uh it stands out visually from what they were able to accomplish just because they were able to shoot it with you know better equipment and, and all that sort of thing yeah it does it looks really good i mean it's it's a good movie um you know there's a lot of um interesting things like um i guess they you know so remember the first movie takes place in in east high the second movie takes place at lava springs and then they're back at east high for this movie because they go from junior year to um senior year basically right and that was actually the the subtitle of the film was it was high school musical three senior year indeed it is Yep, and so so we'll we'll talk about that. So senior year, and the whole the whole opening of the film uh, actually opens with Troy's last basketball game, and it, it's not necessarily clear at the time, but you you kind of get the idea as we're going along. They make it clear in the song that opens the film, which is called "Now or Never," uh, and it's Troy and the team on on the basketball court playing in the state championship game again against the West High Knights, who apparently ha- are, are basketball powerhouses just like East High. Because they played them in the first movie. Yeah, That's a fun scene, and it confused me a little bit, too, when all of a sudden he saw her in the stands. So she wasn't really there. He was just envisioning her. See, I think she was there. Yeah, and I, I kind of they, felt that they were doing like what they did with the red and the blue in the first movie. Right. They, I think this was just another... Because an e- it's a lot easier to do this in a in a movie theater because it plays better than it would on TV. Okay. Yeah. So for, if you haven't seen the movie, first of all, you should, but, uh, what happens is Vanessa Hudgens, uh, as Gabriella reprising her role from the first two stands up and, uh, sings and basically the entire rest of the auditorium goes silent. And in fact, the section around Gabriella, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, there's like, a kind of, if you see in stadiums, those cards that people can flip over to make pictures or sort of thing, everyone flips over a red card, which sort of hides them, and she stands up in the middle of those. Right. Well, they did, they did like a little footprint cheer with the, with the things, and then she right. pops her way through it. Uh, so it, here's what's interesting, is uh, the shot that basically goes on, right, is the way the camera pulls in on her, right? It does that, it does that, uh, that pan zoom where it kind of focus, it pulls itself right up at her but it looks like the background gets really close to you as she gets really close to you right at the same time right that that shot comes from uh jaws right when they're on when they're on the beach and the shark is first attacking wow he went from high school musical to jaws did you notice that was a lot of depth right there that's that's awesome wow um yeah you're right but i never expected you to make that comparison there you go no me neither High School Musical, The Jaws. Wow. He's he's bringing the wonky slushness early. I didn't even think there could be a comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless just, unless Jaws was in that water in the number two. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Could have been. We don't know. We didn't go in the water very much, so could have been. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, so of course the so the 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 big thing I think that people could have a major complaint about with this movie uh, comes to light in this very first part. And that is the fact that they were obviously using this film to set up possible new, a new cast in a sequel. And it comes to light right here when we get Troy makes the decision to call in rocket man 
who is the dorkiest character, I think, in all of the films. Yes. No, well, J- Jason runs close. I think him and Jason run close. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> Jason the- almost didn't graduate there. We have to give him that one. I'm going to give the nod to Rocket Man, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Troy decides to put him in on the last play of the basketball game. And so Troy makes a fake, and then he throws the ball over to Rocket Man, who's uncovered because really looking at him, why would you cover him? And he sinks the basket that wins the state championship. Smart play by Troy, but it it's also an... I can't think of a more blatantly obvious attempt to set up new people uh, for a cast in a sequel. Yeah, well, they were planning on making a sequel. Right. But uh, as far as I know, it's not. It's off the table at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's why it, it's... Honestly, I think that's why it bothers me so much, because that's the kind of stuff that happens, right? You know, these things get moved or whatever, and... I, I, I'll just you know, I'll go ahead and reveal it now. I love this movie, and I feel like it's fabulously done. And that's the part that's like this doesn't need to be here, and it doesn't fit. And it makes you it kind of to me it pulls you out of the story a little bit because right. he and Sharpay's assistant are the two main characters they're setting up for the sequel. Um, and there's a few others that are kind of minor characters, but like they don't have to be here. And right. It, it's like imagine reading Archie comics and all of a sudden they introduce Jimmy and Jenna. Mm-hmm. Who are they? We're not invested in these people, right? It's right. Wait, um, but they did. But they are making a new TV movie. All you are right. wrong. No, one no, no, they're making a new show. A new one, yes. Right, uh, but it's, it's – I, th- I was under the impression it's supposed to be an actual TV show. No, it's making. a TV movie. Okay, but this isn't the one that they were making because the one no. that they were making was going to be about uh, the rivalry between East and West High. No, right. none of those are, are correct. So all you were wrong. Um, neither of those are going to happen. They're going to make they start. Mrs. Darbus is going to have a new class, and I'm not sure the same school or different school. I want to be in it. That would be a fun class. It's wouldn't in, it? it will be in the show notes for the the links on the on the TV movie that I found. Um, but yeah, so I, I just feel like that's, you know, I think, I do think the movie would hold up a lot better without that stuff in it. That's, that's basically the point we're trying to make. Yeah, it it um, really plays into two different points in the movie anyway. So it's not. Yeah, different. it does. No, absolutely. And it's not a big distraction. It's just like, it doesn't need to be there. Yep. So an upset. Um, they go to celebrate the, the, the victory at, with a party at, in uh, Troy's backyard and here's where we kind of get the what's going to be the main theme of the movie is you see Troy and Chad walking in and um, they're introduced to some folks uh, who encourage them to go to the University of Albuquerque and, and join the basketball team. And Troy goes up into his treehouse, uh, which we hadn't seen in the other movies, uh, but it's an interesting, you know, interesting set, interesting piece. And he brings Gabriella up there and you you instantly get the idea that. He's really excited about the basketball game and all that sort of thing, but really what he wants is her. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, you know, and, and not only her, but what she represents as well. We have to give props to the treehouse, too, because it's retractable roof. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. He, do, he does also have um, 
doubts about his future again at this point in the movie already, and this is like the beginning of the movie. Yeah, we're we're what maybe ten minutes in, right? You know, and and it's the theme that you noticed, Todd, and you pointed out in the first film of the fact that you know the the sequence of events that happens is you know Troy's on top of the world, and then he starts to have doubts. In the other two films, it happens a little more gradually. From here, it's immediate, and I think that is that does a great service to the film. I think that makes the gives the film more depth than the other two had, and it makes it it, it kind of raises the stakes, um, and raises the tension that that kind of runs through the rest of the film. Yes, indeed. Um, but it, it, they they sing the song right here, right now, which is basically their cry, kind of to the heavens, of the fact that you know everything for them in that particular moment is perfect. They have each other. They're on top of the world. East High is you know their home. And they realize that it's not going to be that way, right? They're going to graduate. They're going to move on. And that song kind of encapsulates all that. And for me, it's one of my favorite songs throughout all three films. It's a good song. It is a great song. Yeah. Um, but I, I, And that's, that's the other thing I think about this movie that I have to say is the songs themselves capture – emotions and story points and feelings better than the other than the other films certainly than two to my mind um and, and <laughs> even a little bit better than the first yeah you can't even compare the music from the second and third the one, one the one thing i have to say about this film is that one point todd's Miller goes these kids are really gonna waltz <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah th- that's yeah that's much later on yes yeah Hey, these kids can get down in a variety of different ways. Just saying. Yeah. They're, they're talented kids. We talked about in the first couple of films the acting and how it wasn't, you know, stellar in the first film. We got it, you know, and to some degree a little bit better. I think the acting performances in this one, uh, and especially starting here, were very well done. You know, I think each of the actors took it to a new level with this, especially the lead two actors. Um, you know, Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. And it starts with this scene that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the film. Um, you know, I mentioned to, to much to my chagrin that I have a crush on Vanessa Hudgens um, and that I thought she didn't perform well in the first film. And I think she completely redeems herself in this one. Yeah, now, her acting is phenomenal in this one, actually. Yeah. Now, but can I ask a question? Not acting, though. <laughs> yeah, that was my thing. They're, they're, they're really, at this point, they they're dating in real life and they've been going together for a while. That's that's true. I forget that. And it's it's a valid point. I do think though she is doing a great job of acting. She um, is. It, it's just that the chemistry between the two of them is undeniably there, and it comes out so wonderfully throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And I will say that as Zac Efron got older, he did get cuter. So just saying. So there's that. And there's that. <laughs> In case you're interested. Yeah. So Bree's got Zach, I got Vanessa, and Todd and Cheryl have each other, and we're all moving on. Um, my wife's going to shoot now. <laughs> oh. Sharpay shows up. Sharpay is there. So the, 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 my favorite little Sharpay moment is when she walks in and tries to congratulate or tries to um, ask Troy about how the basketball game went, and he says to her, it was yesterday. Uh, but, but she goes, oh, good luck. Yes, I yeah. just have to face her a bit. You know. Um. So, 
did her father lose money going into this episode? This movie? Uh, that's kind of implied, yeah. So, so people may not have caught this. So in the first movie, she's a junior. She's not driving yet, okay? In the second movie, she is driving a fetching pink Mustang. Yes. Okay. Uh, not to mention her fabulous license plate, Todd. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, but I mean, I not that I would drive a pink car, but the coat of paint that they had on that pink Mustang in the second movie rocked, right? And, yeah. But in this movie, she pulls up in a Honda. She's being environmentally conscious, Todd. Really? You think that was it? Because I was pretty no. sure that daddy lost some money. <laughs> it's it's sort of implied that she that her dad or you know that that her situation has changed a little bit because you know of the the competition that they have so we can talk about this the, the mrs darvis makes the um impression uh later on in the film that uh there are scholarships available to juilliard and sharpay's kind of cutthroat for that competition to win and i i sort of got the impression that like she needed that scholarship in order to move on because then it talks about the fact you know, at the very end of the film that, and again, this is kind of setting up the sequel that never was, that she was going to come back and help Miss Darbus with the with the class and that sort of thing after she didn't get the scholarship. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Can you really be spoiling a movie that you're sitting in the middle of spoiling? I'm just saying. Sure. You know, whatever. <laughs> but... After after Sharpay walks in, we have that neat little moment. There, there's the whole part about the the high school musical, um, and so what I like about this one that that we talked about kind of they got away from this in the in the first one was this again called back to the first about making the musical the centerpiece of the film, whereas in the second one, you know, the talent show is kind of in there, but it's not the central piece of of what's going on, and I think. This one, they really made the musical the centerpiece of the film and used it in a unique way uh, because Miss Darbus uh, asked people for volunteers. And, of course, Sharpay is the only one who volunteers because the other guys are too busy being seniors. And Kelsey, in a nice touch, signs them all up in order to keep Sharpay from dominating. So she's crossing Sharpay yet again. Uh, it's become a pattern for her. Yes. And once they all get in the theater, Miss Darbus reveals that she wants the musical to be about them, about being seniors and what they're going through, and she wants them to write it, and and Ryan to choreograph it, and Kelsey to do the music, and and basically make the show about them, which is a great device for the musical numbers that follow. Yes, and it's not just that; it's um, so they call they end up calling it senior year, and it's the show within the show. Now, this is a mechanism that goes back to who, Ryan? Um, uh, George Lucas. Um, <laughs> George Lucas. Um, so, so Shakespeare, Shakespeare <laughs> Hamlet, right? The play within the play. I, I, I got, I got the British part right. Yeah, mm. that's fine. <laughs> so, um, so that's and this is a great mechanism. It, if 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 used correctly, and it's used not just correctly but awesomely in this movie. Okay, yes. the the concept of having a show within the show that people are playing into can be done very very well. And because the show that they're doing intertwines with the lives that they're leading throughout the rest of the movie at this point, they, they are constantly doing these scenes where they're switching back and forth between the show numbers and the real life 
things that are going on, and it just flows so well for the rest uh, of the movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, um, I think the you know this the the way that they do the musical numbers reminded me, and, and, and okay, please purists don't flip out of Chicago, the you know the Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta-Jones version. Yes. And how, you know, the, they would cut to an auditorium stage and then cut to what's happening with the characters and that sort of thing, just like you said, Todd. And I'm sure this was, you know, in some degree was inspired by that, but I feel like they did it so well, like you said. They had that whole Fosse scene. Yeah. In, yeah. in the, the very next number that we were going to talk about, I Want It All scene with uh, Sharpay going on and on about how she wants to be, you know, a Broadway star and bigger and bigger um, and they have a Fosse scene in there, just like you said, Brie. Well, right. it, it's not just that. That's the song I want at all. She's not just saying what she wants. She's trying to tempt Ryan back to the dark side. <laughs> Indeed. Right? I mean, and he's, he's almost falling for it, but, you know, basically it doesn't last very long this time around. Yeah. But he, well, he, the glitter captures him for a moment. And doesn't it capture us all? <laughs> I mean, truly. Yes. Help! I'm being trapped by glitter. Sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and it, th- I love, I love the the song because Ryan start like you said, it starts out so skeptical, and then he kind of gets into the swing of things, and he's enjoying himself because he's singing along with her. And we have all the other characters dressed up in in costumes as you know, kind of servants almost, um, like Zac Efron as the. Uh, the admirer on the the uh, red carpet, or uh, Vanessa Hudgens is the maid, or Corbin Blue is the um, the police officer that pulls over the cab. You know all these different things where you know you can see how Sharpay sees them, and, yes. and that's so interesting. It, yes, it is very interesting indeed, and I like how. It, and again, this again, like I would always just saying with the with the pieces, is there actually in the cafeteria but there's all this other glamour and glitz going on in their heads and then when the number ends they're back in the cafeteria instantly you know as if they had maybe acted out the whole thing in front of people but nobody really seemed to care right and and what i like about that number is you know we talked about stick to the status quo and how i didn't care for the way that number was staged in in the first one part of what i didn't mention there when we were talking about then is you know i I didn't care for the scene but i also didn't like the way it was staged and i think cheryl you made that point too like they're all dancing around the cafeteria while the the six main characters are going on living their lives you know what i mean so it's like they're oblivious to what's happening around them whereas here just like you said todd they it's it's clear that what's going on with all the neon and the sets and sort of things is what Sharpay and Ryan are seeing in their heads and not what's actually happening in the cafeteria. And I think that makes all the difference. Okay. Uh, I buy that. Okay. Sure. So, but it's still your favorite song from the first one, isn't it? It is. Sorry. No, not for me. Nothing to be sorry about, sir. As I said before, different strokes for different folks. Um, but from there, the 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 film takes uh, a little bit of a uh, it, it lets the characters breathe. I guess is what I'm trying to say in a way that the first few the first few the first two films are very compact. You know, in how the the progression of the characters go. This one, I think, gives them a little chance to breathe a little and and let us have little character moments, which – and what I'm getting at is the next song 
in the film called Can I Have This Dance is one of those moments to me. So it's it, it it's Vanessa Hudgens and, and uh, Zac Efron up on the, the garden roof that we saw in the first film uh, that was missing in the second and they do a they do a dance, and it's them basically imagining uh, prom, but the song actually takes it further. As in, it, it's sort of the same messages right here, right now. But in that, you know, we want to keep doing what we're doing here forever. And it's it's, I just I love the moment of that song, the acting, I, everything. Yeah, I just wanted to say that this was actually um, the part of the film that made me cry. Um, I, I was shocked at myself, but all of a sudden I started crying, and that was when Betsy looked at me through the Skype screen and started laughing hysterically and said, "You have feelings for them." Um, and I said, "Yes, I do." I said, "I can't." Um, and it really is, though. It's a beautiful scene. It's very touching. Um, that one is actually my favorite song of the film. Well, we talked about it. I mean, like the the chemistry between the two actors. You know, it's obviously real because they were dating at this point, but the way that they work it through the characters, too, is it's just unbelievable. I mean, the whole this film, more so than the first two, uh, like Todd mentioned before, in the when we talked about the first one, that you know, all the movies are basically about Troy and the decisions he has to make and his, his growth as a character. This one, this one to me, made Gabriella more of a partner in that than the other two. She yes. was somewhat in the first one, but in this one, she's really a full-fledged part of that world and that decision process. Because she's struggling with for some now, of the same things. For now, for now, she is. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that she she changes her tune, but for now, I agree. She They're, they're with each other. But yeah. Not for long. Well, that's disappointing. Isn't it though? It really is. But it's part of the, it's part of the movie. That's how it that's goes. True. Yeah. Um, but but Sharpay, so the, the Sharpay, of course, is not interested in having all of them um, as part of her show, as as per usual. Uh, again, in a callback to the first, and that's that's another thing, right? So the second film doesn't really. The second film takes all of the elements that were in the first movie and tries to put them in a different setting, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't translate as well to me. But this one takes the same setting and tries to apply different concepts. So we don't have a you know a sports you know themed song in this one because it doesn't fit the plot, you know. But uh, the elements that do did work, you know, like Sharpay not wanting everybody in her show and trying to find ways to break them up, you know, that's something that does work, you know, and it worked. That that part does did work in in the second film, uh, you, you know, at least to me. And so they take that here, but knowing that she's been through the first two movies already, she takes a different approach to it. It's not necessarily a as vindictive, as much as just hey, this is what I need, and I'm going to get you out of the way. But it's not necessarily as hurtful, at least I didn't think so, as as she was in the other films. Oh, yes, she was. Uh, totally disagree there. Bring yeah. it, Perlmutter. <laughs> I really think that she, she was just as evil as one. I mean, I think, I think if anything, two brought her back. And the only reason two brought her back is she had that, that we had we had the guy playing like the 
the the devil's advocate on her shoulder saying, you know, think about this. And so, I mean, and, and I, th I think, she, you know, she eventually did. But I think with this one, she took two steps back. Really, I do. I really think this was not what she did to to Gabriella was awful, hurtful, and was way too went way too far. But but okay, so let me let me argue that point. So what she did to Gabriella, she yes. didn't do anything to Gabriella. She Gabriella did. did it. Gabriella did it to herself. No, she was the one who found out that her little assistant there. And I think her little assistant also was a culprit here, because oh, we all know we all know the little assistant wanted her to be her. I but, love the assistant. <laughs> but um, I really think that the two of them together went in and did whatever they needed to do to get rid of Gabriella. It was yes, it was convenient that Gabriella had applied, but they were the ones that like sped up the process. And I think had the, the process happened, it would have, you know, been a little bit later. They would have at least been to prom and not breaking up the way they did. So I think, I think whatever they were doing sped up that process. I agree with that. And but, but the whole point of the movie, and please, Todd Bree, weigh in here. <laughs> on this heated debate. Uh, I think the whole point of the movie is the fact that you know, Troy and Gabriella have to make these hard choices between, you know, what their future is going to be and what they want right right there, you know, at East High. And Sharpay is, honestly, she's kind of the MacGuffin in that. I'm know, not sure she would have had to make that choice. I mean, I'm not saying take away. I mean, we all know she applied for this early entry thing. But take away that, we don't know when they would have actually looked at her and said, oh, yes, her grades are good, she's on the mathlete team, she's done all these all these competitions, she's a great candidate for us, let's move her to early admission. Whereas they said, oh, look here, look at this student, put her at the top of the pile. <laughs> so right, I we're gonna, so... Have to, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> I'm Todd, sorry. Marie, you, you guys want to weigh in on that? <laughs> I'm remaining neutral. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Todd doesn't really have a choice. He's in the other room, so <laughs> Cheryl can throw things at him if he agrees with me. I no, I'm I understand where you're going <laughs> with Ryan, but I'm just saying in the reality of college admission these days and. And and getting scholarships and getting stuff, I really think that you know that what they you know that that was the catalyst, and but, it was a big so, catalyst. All right, so I, I I'm not 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 continuing this argument, but okay. what we're talking about is is what is that Gabriella gets accepted to the Stanford Freshman Honors Program, and so she has a choice: she can go there and start her future, which is a huge honor for her, or she can stay at East High. Finish, finish the semester, you know, finish prom, be in the musical, all those sorts of things. And Sharpay and her little assistant managed to, you know, she hasn't told Troy about this. Now, she's told Taylor, but she hasn't told Troy. And Sharpay and her little assistant figure it out, and Sharpay is the one who tells Troy, not Gabriella. But I will rebut you, Cheryl. 
they don't break up because of that. True. Because the the very next night, you know, Troy shows up with the margarita pizza and the chocolate covered strawberries, and they have a picnic on Gabriella's floor. And he says, "Why didn't you tell me?" And they work it out. True. Daha! I got a concession. <laughs> All right, my work here is done. I'm just I'm, sure. That's fine. But moving uh, on. You 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 raise val- you raise a very valid point. So I think I think the the uh, the evil is in the eye of the beholder. That that that's how the phrase goes, right? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, uh, so we'll agree to disagree on how evil Sharpay is. Suffice to say, she does that evil thing and and manages to uh, at least put a put a schism there, where Gabriella ultimately does uh, right after that evening, um, where Troy is on her floor. He basically gives her his blessing because he says you you have to do what's best for you and um it's actually um she she um ends up having to go uh to stanford and she uh this is this is later on in the film we've skipped a few things but um she ends up having to go away but i mean that that's kind of the central conflict of the film is you know them having to choose between their futures and what's what's coming next or you know, living out this senior year and kind of relishing every moment of what's going on. Well, it's not just that she feels when she get there's a again we're jumping the gun, but she gets she's at that point when she's in Stanford where she kind of decides that well I'm here and I don't want to have the long distance relationship, so she breaks up with him over the phone. And I think yeah, I think as well she's also trying to make the decision for him, which I mean right, yeah. which. Which you know, I think maybe that's part of it. She makes the, she doesn't know what you know he's what you know what's going on at this point. He hasn't been. Um, Darbus didn't put his admission to Juilliard, so that's not even in the factory here yet. So she's just making the decision or for him what what school to go to. Yeah. And and you know and I don't think she realizes nor does he that you know he he needs to make this decision himself. Yeah, and she they're both they're both it's kind of the the old gift of the magi thing, right? They're both trying to make the best decision for the other without actually thinking that the other person needs to make the decision. You know, because he gives her his blessing. He says, "Go on to Stanford. You need that's what you need to do." And then she of course goes to Stanford thinking that that'll convince him to go to U of A and and play basketball. Um, instead of going to Juilliard, so th- there's definitely some some mixed signals, you know, going on there. And we skipped a couple of musical numbers there, um, <laughs> but you know, just whatever. A few. <laughs> uh, there, there is the "A Night to Remember," which is the song that they perform in the auditorium talking about prom. Because there's a there's a nice little fun diversion, uh, which I, I think is honestly a nice payoff for Chad and Taylor, uh, where he has to ask her to prom and he has to make a big production of it in the middle of the cafeteria. Uh, and that leads into the A Night to Remember um, song, which plays out in the auditorium, just like Todd was saying before about, you know, it plays out as a song that's in rehearsal for the musical, but it's actually reflecting what's going on in, in the minds of the folks who are, who are singing it. Right. Um, I, I, do, I do enjoy that one uh, quite, quite a bit just because of the way that they do the, the guys popping up with the rejoinder to what the, the girls are singing. And then the girls pop up and they say something back. Uh, the, the the interplay between the two and the choreography, I thought, was was really well done. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. Um, and we have we have uh, just want to be with you, which is a, a song that's in the musical where uh, the, actually the way it goes is Ryan is singing it with uh, Gabriella and showing her what needs to be done, and then uh, Troy comes in, uh, and that that kind of sums up their feelings pretty well. Like you know they don't really care what what happens they just want to be with each other and you know again that's kind of the third song in the movie that makes that same point um but it is the central theme of the film so you know it's probably worth making three times <laughs> that very just, well may be just my opinion it's fine um, but i mean I, I, the, the two of them on screen is is it's gold in this film and so giving them more screen time to say that, I feel like it's a good, was a good choice. We also get some fun, uh, fun stuff with uh, Chad and Troy going back to, uh, again, where Troy's trying to figure, Troy's, the whole movie is trying to figure stuff out. And he goes back to the junkyard where apparently the two of them used to play as kids. Now, I don't know what this says about parenting that you used to let your kids play in a junkyard. You know, whatever. Um, and they, uh, they sing the song, The Boys Are Back talking about the fact that, you know, the possibilities when they were in this junkyard were endless, right? They could be superheroes, they could be spies, they could be ninjas, they could be whatever they wanted to be. And that's what the song plays out. And they even kind of, uh, they even have a moment where they uh, disappear and are replaced by little kids, which is kind of cute. And we have a nod to another movie, to another character in this movie. Oh? Yes, we have the Herbie nod. We have the car that moves up and down with the with the... Oh Looks right. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And we had that whole scene where the doors are moving, and I, ah. I just, I don't know, it's kind of like a Herbie nod to me. That's right. Oh yeah, it's part of the set. <laughs> Thank God Lindsay Lohan wasn't in it. Yeah, really. <laughs> really. Because she was loaded. <laughs> Fully loaded, actually. Fully yeah. loaded. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but yeah, that's it, 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 that's a fun little diversion, and actually, it's it, that I guess you would say is kind of like the get you head in the game type, you know, piece in this movie. Um, but it's it's it also it, it while it's a fun diversion, it also makes the point of what they're struggling with, which is you know the fact that uh, it, it's interesting because Chad's not especially struggling with it; he's all good, you know. Hey, I'm going to U of A to play basketball. Um, and, but Troy kind of brings the point up to him, like, don't you feel like your future is kind of planned out? And, and that's what, what prompts the song. Right. And, and it's, it's a cute number. I mean, it's got good special effects for a number. Yeah, it does. You're right. Yeah. Uh, the set design, I think, is the key on that one. Like Cheryl mentioned the car going up and down and the way they use the, the lighting of the cars in the junkyard and some of the you know the props like there's a, a whole sequence where they're dancing on a giant tire that's rolling at the same time i mean it's inventive you know it's um it's it's it's, it's a neat piece of choreography and um set design i think um melding really well together to make to make that number um but it's it's after that that we get the the part that cheryl and i just discussed for 20 minutes about <laughs> Um, Sharpay and Gabriella and what's going on with the um, freshman honors program and it's the night after Troy brings her the margarita pizza and strawberry uh, chocolate covered strawberries which I don't know why I remember that except for the fact that we've been talking for all and I'm kind of hungry yeah (laughs) me too (laughs) Uh, it's after that that she sings uh, a song called Walk Away 
which is her song, basically, like like Cheryl said, where she's kind of making that decision that she doesn't want to uh, carry on the long distance relationship. And even after he kind of had given her his his blessing to go, she basically, through the course of the song, they pack up their house and move. Yeah, it, it it's very odd. oddly quick. Yeah, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me because I I didn't understand that the time shift was not making yeah. sense to me. Yeah, it's like the next morning. Basically, they have packed up the entire house and they're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is strange because the next thing that happens, it rains basketballs. <laughs> So what we're saying is that there's all sorts of time-shifting, paradox, wonky sluiceness going on here in in uh, East High's general vicinity at this time. Actually, according to this, there was a deleted scene between the boys are back and walk away. A deleted scene? They said right here, right now, and that was supposed to be a deleted scene. Did it include legions of falling basketballs? No. No, if it's a, really del- bad CG falling basketballs. D- deleted scenes are not canon. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Unless there's a canon in them, in which case we can discuss That may be true. Hard to say. But we don't know because we don't know what was in the scene. Yeah, the, the rating basketball thing was a little freaky and went on a little too long. Yeah, so what we're talking about is the next song is, is Troy... Troy gets... Uh, uh, j- again, just like in the first movie, his dad gets in his face about... Uh, deciding whether or not, you know, because up to this point, everyone has just basically assumed he's going to U of A to play basketball. And his, and his, and he says basically to his dad, like, maybe that's not what I want to do. And his dad, his basic rejoinder is, yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, Similar to to what he said in the first movie about like, you're not a singer, you're a basketball player. Um, You'd think dad might've learned a lesson, uh, but apparently not. Uh, and Troy goes to the school and basically uh, redeems himself for bet on it from the second movie by performing a solo struggling with himself that is actually um, somewhat relevant here. Um, sorry, you can probably tell I, d- I didn't care for bet on it, uh, in case you didn't get that from our High School Musical 2 show. Um, but he, he, he pra- uh, goes through the school in a night. I mean, like, it's a nicely done song, and it really portrays the emotion he's trying to get across, but... He, there's a point where he's in the gym and all these basketballs fall from the ceiling. Hmm. And I don't know, they're really bad CG. Like hmm. there's a couple that are real and the rest of them are CG and it's bad CG. And they, cause they're all black. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that part of the number was bad. I did like the, um, the choreography and the way they did the spinning room. Yeah, and how he jumps from wall to wall, you know, in different positions. Like so, he'll he'll jump from a wall and land on his back, or he'll jump, you know, he'll fall forward, land on his feet, and then be pounding on his chest, and you know, and, all those sorts of things. And again, his singing is spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, it, it's and, him trying to wrestle with these two sides of himself. That's right. But fortunately, he's saved by Darbus Kenobi. Yes, he is. <laughs> Uh, the wise and apparently undestroyable since she has a new show coming out, uh, Darbus Kenobi. Will she be as a ghost in the show? That's what that's what I want to <laughs> uh, Yeah, she, she basically finds him in the auditorium and admits that 
Um, the, what he's been struggling with this whole time is, you know, he is being scouted by Juilliard for performing arts. Um, and he doesn't know who it who had even applied to Juilliard for him. And Ms. Darvis reveals that it was her. Uh, and she thought that he had that potential. Uh, so he's been struggling with the choice of, do I go to Juilliard or do I go to U of A and play basketball? And she basically says, you have to figure that out for yourself. And the interesting thing is, he figures out that he needs Gabriella to figure that out. <laughs> You know, we mentioned that they—they they basically she broke up with him basically over the phone, and he gets in his beat-up truck and drives up to Stanford. Now, something I want to mention here, um, since we're talking about breaking up in their relationship, is that I've—I did some research on on them and their relationship. Obviously, um, her them she she was a spy this week in People magazine, spotter online. With now now you're boyfriend. talking about their real life relationship. Yes, their right? real life relationship. Yeah. Yes. And, um, but, um, apparently, um, their relationship was, I don't know, at some point going to break up as well in real life because, um, it was rumored that she was converting to Judaism for him, which was funny because he isn't even, he doesn't practice Judaism. I thought was that. I was about to say, like, I didn't realize that was an issue. Okay. (laughs) So apparently, apparently it was not an issue, but apparently someone, you know. They, they, you know, someone online made an issue. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, uh, yeah. But, so, so, that's really what um, I really thought was weird is that, you know, obviously they end up breaking up, I forget when they actually break up, after this movie. But I thought yeah. it was weird that their, you know, their, their relationship was playing parallels. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good thing to note about this this whole movie this is like the most meta movie I think I've ever seen from like like taking a Disney Channel movie and making like the struggles that the characters are going through is the same struggle that the actors were going through. And like the relationship that the two of them are talking about in the film mirrors what they were probably going through in real life, right? You know, they've been for 3 years they'd basically been together nonstop working on these films and now they were going to go separate ways. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of little things in this movie that make you refer to the fact that these actors realize that this crazy high school musical ride they've been on is over and that they're now moving on to a second phase of their career, graduating in the sense, you know, I mean, there's little touches that you hear every now and then. like in, we talked about, I want it all. There's a line in there that where Sharpay says sequels pay better. And we talked about the, you know, the negotiations and how, you know, all the actors got paid a little more. It just makes you wonder, like, is that a commentary on that? And then at the end, the the ending song, and we're jumping ahead, There, there's the lyric of, you know, uh, High School Musical, it's the best part I've ever known. And it just, like, for me, the first time I saw it, I picked up on that immediately and went, gosh, they're they're really talking about themselves as well as the characters, and that kind of gives it a little deeper meaning to me. Well, you know, no, I agree. Well, this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, right? Is is it's it's the use of the show within the show. They know that even if High School Musical goes on as a series, that this set of actors is done because, well, what are they twenty four at this point? Yeah. Right. So they have to kind of, you know, they have to let it go. And so the best way to let it go is to go out on top, right? And they, they, so they do a good job that way, I think, in the end. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and yeah. I, just, I just think it's nice that there's an extra layer to the film. You know, when you're talking about High School Musical 3, you don't expect that. I mean, I know I didn't expect it when I first saw it. And the fact that it's there is just, I, I, it really kind of gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling about the film. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what, to, like, I wasn't sure what to expect even going to see this in the theater. I mean, Cheryl and I decided to see it anyway because we, even though I'm not a big fan of the second movie, okay, I, I really felt that, you know, all the hype about coming back to the school and being at the school and, you know, I, I thought it would be worth it to see it in the theater, so we went. You know, and it was good, you know, to see it in the theater. So I felt, you know, it was worthwhile after all is said and done, which we haven't said and done at all yet. So Yeah. Well, I mean, the basic wrap-up is what you would expect, right? He he drives to Stanford, like we said, uh, and he sees Gabriella, and they reconcile, um, basically, because he says, you know, I'm, you know, you may want to leave because you think it's what's best for me, but we're, you know, we're together, and, and nothing's going to change that. And he brings her back to the school to perform in the musical after our good friend Rocket Man gets a gets to play Troy for a minute and Sharpay's <laughs> playing Gabriella part, which is so funny because he, it, you know, they they joked to him that she had a crush on him, which I'm I think he actually took literally. Yeah, I think he did too. <laughs> and then he gets this perfume and she talks to him and, and it's like this perfume's killing her, killing killing him. Right. They never her. played up the perfume angle because usually in you know at points like that where there's a comedy element and there's perfume involved, usually somebody breaks out in a rash and it doesn't happen. Well, yeah. she had to break out in a cough. That's what she had done. That there is that. That's right. And so but they, they didn't overplay it. Yeah. No, they didn't overplay it. So um, so that that was really fun to me. And then then they show them coming back and they're like laughing at him dressed up like Elton John. <laughs> that's yeah, the, that's the best. That's the best way I can explain how this kid looks. <laughs> well, he he is Rocket Man. He is Rocket Man. Yes. There you go. Uh, right. But it, what is she? She actually says to him, "What are you, some kind of Muppet gangster?" Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> he refers to himself as Jimmy the Rocket. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and they, so they perform this, and and this is where Sharpay kind of gets her mojo back, right? Because her assistant was supposed to fill in for her, and Sharpay's been upstaged and embarrassed by what's going on with the uh, with Rocket Man, and she comes back and performs, um, I guess, in duo with with the assistant, but she sort of upstages the assistant <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. I love the parents' look on their faces when when it's when yeah. it's time for Sharpay. <laughs> and now they see is they see this other girl and they're like, what happened to our daughter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her, her name is Tiara Gold, by the way. The understudy. Yes. And um, she, she's fun but annoying. One thing I wanted to mention was um Ryan Ryan's part in this show, which and tell, two things about Ryan I wanted to mention. One, when he asked Kelsey to the prom, because I had thought through the whole. Oh, I'm not sure what you guys thought, but I thought he was gay. <laughs> I didn't um, really give it that much thought. I'll be honest. <laughs> you see it in the third one, actually. <laughs> but and then, then uh, the other thing is that that the Juilliard people noticed him. Yeah. And yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. At the, at, they're they're in the audience, and they and they. It, it, that's another sort of weird thing is like at the very end, they, it, like Todd was talking about the show within the show, they announce their college choices at the end of the musical. Um, and, and Troy announces that he's, you know, Ryan, Ryan announces that he's, 
been accepted to Juilliard, as has Kelsey. And uh, Troy announces that he is going to Cal Berkeley, where he will be only a few miles away from Gabriella. And he will study uh, music and basketball. Right. And it's a little confusing because Chad kind of breaks away when they get to announcing him. And it's strange because they have a reconciliation moment about graduating in the fake graduation because the real graduation is later on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little topsy-turvy. Yeah. Yeah. And since we're talking, we, can we talk about the real graduation? I was confused at why was he making the speech if the other girl was valedictorian? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. I didn't well, I didn't understand why Troy would be I, making. This I was I was totally I was like he's like the brainiac, and I'm like, okay, why isn't she a class valedictorian? Thematically, he, it works. He got paid more to do the film. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, thematically, it works, right? He's he's the the leader of the pack, so it makes sense in that sense. But like like you said, Cheryl, from a who's the valedictorian, who's gonna be making the speech sense, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they all graduate and he, he makes the, makes the point that, you know, Gabriella changed everything beginning back in the first film, not just him, but the entire school and how they interact with each other and broke, you know, help break down the walls, uh, of everything. And that East high is the place where, where something like that could happen. And then there, that's the last number in the film that we talked about, which is high school musical where they say, you know, this is the best part that that I've ever known. And, um, we get a nice, you know, close up of all six of the main actors. Uh, and they reprise the sort of jumping, uh, poster as the last, you know, and freeze frame it as the last shot. So that's the basic plot. High school musical three, you know, it all turns out well, you know, the kids get a nice moment at the end and, um, we get to have the biggest opening weekend of a musical ever, which is kind of nuts. Um, when you think about it, that high school musical three holds that record. And more importantly, nobody exploded. Yeah. What Todd said. (laughs) (laughs) That was that. (laughs) I'm not even going to pretend like I know what he's talking about. Uh, So, yeah, okay. Uh, Do we have any any fun facts that we want to bring up about High School Musical 3 or any interesting tidbits that we have? um, Interesting tidbits. Um, Not that we ever do that on this show. So, <laughs> okay, fine. We'll never do that again. No, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's our stock and trade, sir, to have wonderful, interesting knowledge uh, brought uh, to the peoples. Yeah. So, okay, we started talking earlier about Sharpay's parents, right? And how they we thought like they like lost money somewhere because she's driving a Honda. She's looking for a scholarship. She can't go to a better school. She ends up going down the road at the at the state school, which is going to be free for somebody who lives in a state. You know. Thank yeah. Things things like that, and then um, her parents are still coming home from India and still acting weird. Though, so do you think it was more like an allowance was cut off thing? Could have been. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they've decided. Maybe they had to choose between their children, and they chose Ryan because oh. they were awful proud of him when he went to Juilliard. And they're like, "Yeah, okay, whatever, Sharpe." Well, the mom liked him more. Remember from the second movie? Uh, good point. Right. Good the mom point. definitely had a better connection with Brian there. Um, I- interesting little tidbits is um, so um, Troy, Troy's shirt number is fourteen, right? 
Yes. Did you notice Rocket Man's is forty one because he's the anti Troy? <laughs> he is. He he's like the he's, he's the antimatter Troy. He's, I did not notice that. He's yeah, the Troy yeah. doppelganger. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Rocket Man is number forty one. But no, number forty one in your programs, but number one in your hearts. Things to look for throughout the movie are um, the the they're all wearing graduation rings, but for the movie itself, not for the. Not for the school, so they were all wearing gold rings with a red stone in it. Yep. Uh, throughout I did, the movie, I, I, I noticed that this time. I didn't. I didn't notice it before, but this time when I watched it again, I did notice that. Um, <laughs> I did. I, I. It was interesting too. I was reading up a little bit on the kind of the pre-production of the film. You know, the the other films were shot in a really short amount of time. This one was too. They actually started shooting in May, and yes. the film was released in October. That's lightning speed for a feature film. Oh, it really is. That's incredible. So, yeah. did you know that in this movie, th- this movie um, has, I think, more uh, song per versus movie than the rest of them? It's 51 minutes of music. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is almost half the length of the movie. Shy by just, I think, like eight to ten minutes of the there. So, that's uh, pretty neat. That's why it's my favorite of the three um, soundtrack albums to listen but, to. But, but here's the most interesting fact we didn't talk about this, mo- this movie wasn't almost this movie. Right, it was almost haunted high school musical. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's and they, right. And they were going to do I a Halloween about movie. That. <laughs> oh my lord! And they were going to do zombie stuff, and because Kenny Ortega was going to do tributes to Michael Jackson's Thriller in the movie and the whole nine yards, this was a big, huge. This was the original plan for this movie, and somewhere like three months into pre-production, they dropped all that and changed the script completely. Yeah, somewhere in somewhere in pre-production, they that somebody um, got slapped upside the head to realize that that was the worst idea ever. Worst idea ever. <laughs> I mean, think about it. it. Just it boggles the mind what somebody was thinking, honestly, when they came up with that idea. Like, it, it would, if the other two had, movies hadn't been there and they had done it that way, fine, right? It would have been a fun little distraction, but yeah. to go from the first movie and the second movie to that. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked. Not happening. Now, now, did we? I forget if we discussed or not. The um, the this movie um, surplant. The, before this movie came out, Mamma Mia was the had the largest opening movie musical ever, and this movie surplanted Mamma Mia. And now, Mamma Mia is a really good movie. It's a really good play. Very popular. Yes. Um, and uh, so it's, uh, but for this to come out and do, the, and again be able to do that because this movie just again knocked the socks off of pretty much everything that it touched. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like, you don't think of it as such a huge performer at the box office because you know there wasn't. It, it's not like it was in the papers and everybody trumpeting, hey, number one at the box office, all this kind of stuff. But you know, I was looking at some of the other films that are you know worldwide box office and things i mean like this movie almost made as much as enchanted it almost made as much as you know some of the some of the bigger movies that you think of uh from disney it's kind of insane when you think about that the fact that they made it on a 13.3 million dollar budget and uh and managed to clear that much cash i mean it was a cash cow for disney and i'm sure that's why rich ross you know ended up in charge of the studio because i'm sure he was you know, he, he was involved in the production of the first two, so I'm sure he had a hand in this one as well. That's right. Um, I, so, do have, um, I do have an Easter egg as well. An Easter egg? As you explore the yearbook, you'll encounter wildcat paws on various images. 
Um, they'll and those will pull up additional behind-the-scenes vignettes. Right. So what what Charlotte's talking about is on the DVD. Is this has a very uh, usually um, a lot of the uh, root menu screens on a DVD or Blu-ray are very static, but mm-hmm. more re- more recently they started making them much more interactive and. During this one, you get the same menu almost all the time, but the pages of the yearbook are flipping, and they do—they have paw, they have wildcat paws all over them in various places, and that's what Cheryl's talking about. Is you can actually, if you're fast enough, manage to hold the page and select one of those menus, and then get a sneak peek of some cool thing. Yep, there, so there's good, good stuff in there. Yeah, that's neat. And I also, um, I also like the um, rolling credits over. I like um, the signatures of of the cast on certain pictures and stuff. Oh yeah, they do that. They do do that too on the on the on the root menu. It's a neat root menu. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to sit and watch a thing like that. And yeah, okay, I, I did. <laughs> I, I believe that. <laughs> I, I really do. But it goes back to what I was talking about before about how you know this movie's not only about the graduation of the characters; it's about the actors too, right? Yes. You know, it's 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 the movie is very much about the fact that you know for the most part these guys had either been in dance rehearsals, filming. Or, you know, discussions about these movies for three straight years. Or, or basketball practice. That's something we never discussed is the, the amount of, like, hours per day that they had basketball practice to yeah. actually do those basketball scenes. No, you're right. It, it, uh, a lot of it. Charles? Um, Corbin Blue's um, father was actually played by his father in this movie. Yes, he was. Who is an actor in his own right. And this was the only time Chad's father appeared. In any of the three films, which was kind of strange. Well, oh, one thing I did notice this time through—it's—I don't know if it's an Easter egg or anything. Okay, it's interesting. Is the scene that we talked about at the end where uh, Troy leaves the stage to go find Chad in the gym and kind of, you know, basically apologize for the fact that he didn't tell him he was going to Cal instead of U of A with Chad. Yep, their jerseys are hanging up in the gym as retired. Yes. Yes. Which I thought is like, wow, talk about lightning speed, you know? <laughs> well, the season had already been over, right? Because in the, the, it's the last game of the season in the beginning of the movie. So it's, yeah. you're, you're already weeks past that point, if not months. But usually that's something you do after somebody graduates, not before their graduation day. Oh, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember retiring jerseys at my high school, no offense. <laughs> I'm the sports guy here. I'm going to say is my uh, area of expertise that uh, it's a little odd. Uh, Bree, how you think this one's going to turn out? What you think of this one? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, as we were talking about with the first one, I was dead set against these films, not wanting to see them. And now, now you- let's. Let, let's reiterate this again because let's it's been stop. a while since the first show. And, oh, God. So, okay, wait, wait, that's right. I got it. Wait, can I do this one? Please, you, take it away, okay. Todd. So, so, so my left hand is Fortuosity and my right hand is this movie. Place them accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> again, great visual on the audience. Is it, is, it like, is it like this? Is it like this? <laughs> People don't know what you're doing, Todd. So, no, so, okay, so... Do you, Okay, so Fortuosity you hated, right? Yes. You thought this movie was worse than Fortuosity going into it. Going into what, it. That's right. What every, do you think every now? Every single one of these movies. Okay. Well, as I rated the first one, I rated it a three. This one, I absolutely... This is hard for me to say. I... I... I loved it. 
<laughs> I really loved it. Um, I, I believe you cried, did you not? Yes, thank you for the reminder, Ryan. I did sure, cry. No problem. I, I cried twice, actually, at that scene that I mentioned previously. And um, at the end, during the graduation, when all the speeches were going on and everything, I broke down again. Um, anyway, it was an excellent movie. I really enjoyed it, and I give it four. Whoa. Wow. So before you saw the movie, you were going to give it a one, weren't you? Yes, Lord Kilpatrick, I was. <laughs> All right, Todd Perlmutter. Oh, um, well, I am going to go with a, I like this movie a lot. I mean, but it's not, to me, again, it's not a, it's not a stellar movie. It's a great musical, but it's not, it's not meaty to me. You know, that's, that's my problem with it. So I would go with a three. Wow. Wait, okay. I gave High School Musical 3 more points than you did? Yeah, but I gave one more points than you did. Just barely, though. Yes, still. About a half a point. Yeah. That's because I'm, again, I'm the hard critic. <laughs> you're, the you're, the si you're the Simon Cal of this panel? That's right. Right. Okay. This movie uh, sucks. The Alex <laughs> Gwinnishelli. The Alex Gwinnishelli. There we go. Of this All right, panel. so <laughs> allow me to be the Paula Abdul. Another person who I have a crush on, uh, so or Randy did Jackson. at some point. Is that what we're saying here? I'm Randy Jackson. That's what it would appear to be. I like I'm giving him. This a, I'm giving this a five. I Are love you? this movie. Absolutely adore it. And it's not because I think it's it's not. Um, I'm not giving it a five out of it's as good as Mary Poppins or it's as good as um, what's another movie I've given a five to? It's hard for me to remember, but anyway. I think uh, yeah, maybe. Might have been the love bug. So. I'm sure one of our listeners will tweet us and remind me of my mistakes, but whatever. Or uh, visit our new Facebook page. Yes. Facebook.com slash Disney Film Project. And, and you can interact with us there and, and tell me how wrong I am. Uh, but I give it a five. I love this movie. Like I, If you give me the choice of you know my DVD Amazing Changer or something, then I can choose this or I can choose... Uh, you know, Mary Poppins. I'm gonna watch this. It's more fun. So it's a desert island. It's a desert island movie for you. It might be. It might be. I, I seriously, I, I, um, I watch it. I, I until we did this show, I didn't own it. I bought it before the for the show. Uh, but I watched it every single time. It was appointment viewing for me when it came on Disney Channel. That's very after cool. the initial release. Uh, it just, it's fun. It's, it makes me happy. makes me smile. When I get down, I watch this one uh, if I can't get access to the first one. So, okay. I give it a five just for that. Uh, I love it. Love, so, it, love, it, love it. So now that we've rated all three movies. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so I guess for me it came out that I liked the first movie best, the last movie second best, and the third movie was the, uh, the second movie was the worst. So I think I forget what order everybody else was in. Second, uh, I th I like this one the best, then the first one, and then the second one the least. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Ryan. Yeah, and that's what I heard from most people when, uh, just in general, talking to people who were actually brave enough to go to go watch these films is is that they like the last one, then the first one, then the second one. So I yeah. say Todd's the oddball. Well, I, and that's probably true. But remember, <laughs> we had we had this discussion once before that I like the origin story a lot. Mm -hmm. And that that's probably why I like the first movie better. Yeah. No, I, and it makes, makes perfect sense. sense. And that's why there's three of us and not just uh, one person talking into the wind. Indeed. 
And if I get an opinion, I love this. I love this as well. I'm I'm you, with Ryan. Absolutely. I'm with Ryan. I didn't own it, but, but this is one I would lose. And if I lost, I would probably go buy it again. That's right. We had we had a closing blockbuster, so we planned in advance and bought all three. So <laughs> nice work. Nice work. I got work. the third one from Blockbuster, and I'm so happy I own it. <laughs> <laughs> She's watching it again right after we hang up, folks. I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> It would surprise me. All right, so that is our look at High School Musical 3. Um, I think like we said before, if you are one of those haters who hasn't watched it, Bree, should they go go watch it? Thank you again. Yes, yes. Everyone should go watch this film. The third one, the third one especially. Then the first one, then the second one, just because we're kooky like that. Uh, Watch (laughs) them in order. Don't listen to her. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so uh, uh, until next time when we'll be discussing another fine Disney film, please uh, stay in touch with us. Todd mentioned our brand new spanking awesome Facebook page, facebook.com slash Disney Film Project. Go there and like us because uh, we just need your approval in order to feel good about ourselves. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Diz Film Project. You can go to our site and read the show notes for this show. Uh, or download other shows, or read blogs, or do whatever you want to do. It's it's a site for, for all of you uh, to get stuff from us. So that's a great thing at www.disneyfilmproject.com. Uh, you can read Mr. Todd Perlmutter at touringplans.com, where he uh, unleashes his blog wisdom upon the world. You can go to disneydrivenlife.com, read my film reviews, uh, and see the, the technical wizardry of one Mr. Perlmutter that allows those blogs to go up. You can read my blogs at touringplans.com as well. You can see Bree's blogs at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com or you can just be happy and leave us a review of the program on iTunes. That helps us out as well. People find the show by uh, podcasts that are well-reviewed. So if you go and review our show, then you'll help other people to find the show. And speaking of helping other people to find the show, um, please tell all of your friends, family, acquaintances, um, hey, tell some enemies you don't ever know. You might be able to bridge the gap that way. Hire a Skyrider. Yes, that's a good good plan. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, please donate to our uh, Advertise the Show Fund. Um, you can send personal checks to me. Just send me a note on Twitter. I'll, I'll let you know my address. And I promise, 100% goes into the show. Absolutely. Um, I think. Um, I'm just kidding. No one send me a check. Uh, unless you really want to. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's show. Until next week, folks, uh, have fun. We'll be back. See ya. Later on. <laughs>